Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. We tend to live lives that are overstressed, overscheduled, overtired, overwhelmed. We live this way for so long that we can't imagine to live any other way. Today's gospel is probably one of my favorite gospels, and it's no, no, it's not because I love fish, but it's because of one word. And this word is the word nevertheless. When Jesus asked Simon to, lay the, to put the nets back in, he said, nevertheless, at your word. We have toiled all night, but nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word. At some point in our life, we think that we, receive, we, we reached our limit. You know, we want to give up. And we all heard the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. It's a struggle. Life is a struggle, and we're not going to put our heads in the sand and say that life is not a struggle. There's a many struggles around us, and at some point, we think that we hit our limit. And we say the phrase, I'm done. I'm done. We've heard this so often in today's culture. People spit it out uh, with, you know, regards to their relationships, or a sporting event, or a team that they... Uh, you know, support, a social interaction, personal or professional projects, we come to a point and we say that we are done. I'm done with working my tail off and always being passed over for this promotion. I am done caring for my husband, my wife, my children, and not receiving that same type of care back. I am done forgiving those that take advantage of me. I am just done. We've reached our limit. We've reached our limit maybe of serving those that are around us. I won't do any evil, but I won't do any more good. I have reached my limit. We have uttered these words at some point. And some of us are ready right now to throw in the towel on certain types of shortcomings that we've been struggling with for many years. Sins that we've been struggling with and we just want to say, I'm done. I can't deal with these thoughts anymore. I can't deal with these actions anymore. I just can't deal with it. And we want to throw in the towel. Some of us sitting here might want to throw in the towel in our relationships and say that, you know, I can't deal with my family at this moment. Or I can't deal anymore. I'm just done but we know better today that we're not done some of you may know that i coach my son's hockey team uh luca grade 11 and a couple of days ago actually he had they had a game and it was one of the it was their third game and they're uh so they're playing this team that they're supposed to beat pretty easily so anyways they go up three nothing in the game in the first period they're up three nothing at the end of the second period there's three periods in hockey for those of you who don't know hockey. We're going to have to educate this congregation. Everything's basketball here. No, we're going to talk about hockey from now on. Abunab Shoy is always basketball. I'm going to be hockey. I'm just letting you know from now on. But the th this, at the end of the second period, they were losing 4-3. Somehow, this other team scored four goals on them very quickly. 
And one of my favorite parts is when the kids come back between the periods, they come to the bench and they kind of just look up at the coaches. And we have this saying, the coaches always have this saying, and we look at them and we say one thing, we ask them one question. We're like, are you done? And they answer and they say, we're not done. I'm like, we didn't hear you. Are we done? And they're like, we're not done. We have one period left. We're not done. And I could tell, I promise you, I could tell from the way that they answer the question, are we done if we're going to win this game or not? And we ended up, they ended up winning this game with 34 seconds left. They won 5-4. Why? Because they weren't done. They weren't done. Maybe in the second period they felt at a certain point that they were done. But these kids came together and said, we're not done. And this morning, we want to take this and come to a place of saying that we're not done. Some, of, some people in the Bible attempted to tell God that I am done. God told Moses to speak to the rock so that water could come out of the rock so that the people may drink. And what did Moses answer? He answered the people and he says, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock in order for you to believe? And what does he do? Out of his anger, he hits the rock twice so that water comes out of the rock. God provided water for the people. But yet God was upset at Moses. Why? Because he was done with the people. And he says, don't be done. Don't be done with the people. And then Moses did not reach the promised land. Jonah infamously announced he was done with God's message. And subsequently, we know his story, that he ended up being swallowed by a fish and so forth. When Jezebel threatened Elijah, he also said, I'm done. And he started to run away from the mission. He even said, Lord, take my life. Oh my goodness. Come on, Elijah. He said, I am done. Chances are we have said these words at some point in our lives that I am done. Chances are if I say these names, you're going to recognize these names. Oprah Winfrey, you know who she is. Michael Jordan, you know who he is. Walt Disney, you know who he is. Steve Jobs, you know who he is. Albert Einstein, you guys know? Albert Einstein. All of these people had something in common. They never gave up. What a lot of people don't know is that Albert Einstein wasn't able to speak until the age of four and that his teacher said that he wouldn't amount to much. And we know that Albert Einstein ended up one of the, being the brightest uh, men that walked upon this earth. Michael Jordan, arguably one of the best basketball players out there, was cut from his... Okay, take it easy, LeBron people here. Oh. Michael Jordan was, I said, arguably, okay? Michael Jordan was a great basketball player, but he was cut from his basketball team. His high school basketball team, he got cut from his basketball team, and he went home that day and he cried in his room, but he didn't give up and became one of the greats. Walt Disney, this man that created uh, a theme park based on imagination, got fired from his first newspaper. Why? Because he didn't have imagination. These people didn't give up. Steve Jobs, the same thing, got fired from his first job. Oprah Winfrey was demoted from her job, her TV job, because she wasn't fit for television. And she became one of these biggest, you know, TV, TV stars. Failures, struggles, and trials are a part of our life. Coming to the place, coming to the place that we think we reached our limit is a part of life. 
Thomas Edison says, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. You know, if I say the name Ronald Wayne, maybe some of you guys know him. You guys, who, how many know that name, Ronald Wayne? Just show of hands. Nobody? Nobody, okay. Yeah, you shouldn't know him because he's a man that gave up. He's a man that sold, you know, after 12 days of being with Steve Jobs and the other uh, Apple guy, Wozniak, Wozniak, he sold his contract. He sold his shares of Apple for $800. He sold his shares for $800. Put that in perspective. Today, if he had kept those shares, he, they would have been worth $95 billion. But he gave up early. Father Anthony Canieris says a story. A father said to his son, who had, at a time was tempted to give up, remember son, the people... Remember, son, the people who are well-known are those who didn't give up. And he starts to mention a bunch of people, Thomas Edison, and so forth, and a bunch of people. And then he mentions one name that the son doesn't recognize. And he's like, why, why don't I recognize this name? He's like, because this is a person that gave up. Today, we are encouraged not to be discouraged, not to give up. Today's words, nevertheless, appear in the gospel in the, in the chapter of St. Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, after Jesus tells Simon to go out into the deep and to let down his nets, he says, but si and, and Simon answered, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Jesus then commanded Simon to let down his net. And Simon replied almost like he was whining. I'm tired. We worked all night. We've caught nothing. And this is a man that all he knew was to be a fisherman. He knew his job. He knew how to catch fish. But yet he's toiled all night and they didn't catch anything. What is an hour going to make? An hour that Jesus spoke, is that going to make a big difference? And he said, I won't be discouraged. And nevertheless, I will put it down. When Jesus spoke, his words gave the encouragement to Simon to try one more time. One more time is all we need sometimes. One more time when we reach the point that we just want to give up. We just need to hear the words of Jesus saying, take your nets out again. Try one more time. You'll be fine. One more time. One of the most common causes of failure is the habit of quitting when one is overtaken by temporary defeat. Most of us here understand what temporary defeat is. Every person is guilty of this mistake at one point in our life. Temporary defeat sounds like we have toiled all night, we have toiled all week, all year, and nothing, nothing. It feels like nothing is going to change. But today, like Simon, we're going to say, nevertheless. Nevertheless is a word that is like saying, despite the evidence, contrary to my experience, Lord, I will take your word. I will trust in you and that I will change. That my circumstances will change. My character will change. I will be transformed by your word, Lord. And this is not a blind uh, faith that Simon Peter had. 
Because surely Simon Peter was sitting there for a while listening. It says scripture was saying that they were cleaning their nets. That he got into his boat. He got into Simon Peter's boat. So he wasn't too far from Jesus. He heard Jesus. And probably he was half listening to the sermon. He probably didn't fully listen. And maybe some of us are half listening right now. And that's okay. Because Simon Peter got what he needed to get out of it. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. So he heard bits and pieces of the sermon as Simon cleaned his nets. And at the very least, even though he had not yet witnessed any miracles, Peter had a sense that Jesus had, was teaching with authority. How many of us read scripture and say, this is truly the word of God? How many of us read scripture and say that this is words that will be transformed? How many of us read scripture and say, I don't really agree with this. My experience hasn't shown that this is true. But nevertheless, I will follow it. So he heard bits and pieces. And nevertheless, I will let down my debts. How is Peter rewarded? Peter was rewarded for his trust and his obedience. After letting down the nets, they caught a huge number of fish. And so many that they were breaking that he had to call another boat to come and so forth and help with the, the blessing that Christ had given them. Peter was rewarded by experiencing the miraculous power that Christ had upon the earth and in our lives. Too many of us, you know, are invited so many of us today are invited to experience this reward, this reward of the power of Jesus when he says words to us like, put down your nets, put down your guards, I'm with you. And he will turn our despair, our hopelessness, our desperation, our distress, name it, our anguish, our pain, our unhappiness, our dejection, our depression, whatever it is, he will turn it into joy, he'll turn it into hope, he'll turn it into peace. After Jesus tells him not to fear, but to become, after that Jesus tells uh, Peter, because of your trust and your obedience, not to fear, now you will become fisher of men. Peter, James, and John left everything and followed Jesus. What happened there? The blessing that Jesus gave Peter, what Peter was toiling for all night, all of a sudden became secondary, was no longer important to, to Peter because he saw something so much greater. The temporary became secondary. Their focus shifted. Their purpose shifted. All of a sudden, they weren't called to be apostles before this. They were still just fishermen. But all of a sudden, they shifted. Their focus shifted. They, their purpose shifted. And they left everything. And it says, as soon as they, as soon, like this is not a word that we glance over. As soon as they brought their boats back to the shore, what did they do? They ate of the fish? No, they didn't eat of the fish. They left everything and followed him. How beautiful is that? How beautiful that they were able to shift their focus. Maybe sometimes when we're in that place of being wanting to give up, we say, I'm done because our focus is somewhere else. Our focus is not on what it's supposed to be. The understanding that nothing matters more than eternal life entered into their heart at that particular moment. 
You know, Peter realized who he was. Peter said, depart from me for I'm a, I'm a sinner. Obviously, he came face to face with God and he recognized who he is. And God told him, Jesus told him that now you're going to become a fisher of men. Don't stay focused on your own sins. Don't stay self-centered. A self-centered person might say, why believe in God? Why go to church? Why, what, what good does it do? You know, why repent? Why confess? Why partake of the Eucharist? I still have problems. People still suffer. Wars still break out in the world. The wicked seem to be prospering as well in this world. So why do all of this? A faithful person might have the same thoughts and same questions. However, the faithful person will say, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Today, it's okay for us to acknowledge that we're struggling with a certain sin or a certain habit. It's okay for us to acknowledge that. But that our focus needs to be shifted. That maybe our, our focus was shifted away from God's love from his open arms. Every single one of us here knows that God has his arms wide open. The theme of this year's outreach night was, or is, or was, or is, or for the rest of the year, arms wide open. That God's arms are always wide open. But I've been struggling with this sin for the past week. I've been struggling with this shortcoming for the past year, two years, 10 years. Jesus says to us, like he said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now on you will catch men. The focus was shifted. The focus was no longer our sinfulness. The focus became on the purpose that we are all here for. St. John Chrysostom has this quote and says, why did Jesus say to Peter, to Simon, do not be afraid? Like what was... Do not be afraid of what? what? What is he talking about? Like you just caught a bunch of fish. Why is he not going to be afraid? And he says, and I'm just going to read it. From now on, he says, you will catch men. Why does he tell him, do not be afraid? Let it be the promise. The, let it be. The promise was brilliant. Then why did he say, do not be afraid? Simply, since he remembered the previous sins. He says, do not be afraid of yourself because you are a sinner, but consider yourself an apostle who had received a commandment to net the whole world with the word of the master. Do not be afraid. Let every sinner listen to the sentence from Christ. Do not be afraid, but from now on show repentance. Whoa, St. John Chrysostom, what a wonderful saying. What a wonderful shift of who we truly are. If you're sitting here and you think that you're a sinner, that's fine. But that's, there's a shift that needs to happen. And yes, we need to acknowledge our spiritual status. And our spiritual status, most of us, if all of us here, are sinners. Yes, but sinners are the ones that need transformation. Sinners are the ones that need repentance. Sinners are the ones that Christ came for. And this is something that you and I need to stay focused on. We need to move forward. We need to move forward and not just stay put of where we are. 
Today's message is a message of encouragement that if you are stuck in a rut and you feel that you want, if you want to say the words, I'm done, or if you're saying the words that I'm done, we want to remove those words today with the word, nevertheless, Lord, I'm not done because you are truly present. Helen Keller is a, is a girl that became blind, at, blind and deaf at, the, at 19 months of age, but who later on in life learned to read and write and to speak, who also gained, you know, not only knowledge, but she also gained wisdom. And she said this, I want you to remember that this was said by a blind and deaf person. This is the quote that she says. When one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has been opened for us. And she continues and she says, Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired and success achieved. This is from somebody that's been blind and death. Like, I can't imagine losing a pinky and, and surviving my life. And this is a person that was blind and deaf and is able to say words like this. St. Mark the ascetic writes that affliction and failure can open our hearts and minds to discover there, there is at work in the world a will and a way which is not ours. Problems can help us look beyond our limit. Sorry, problems can help us look beyond our limited self to look for meaning, purpose, and to seek God. This is what we need to achieve. When we see that there's so many problems in our life or so many worries in the world, we come to look beyond our limited self, to see that God is truly there, to seek God. That's why the church teaches us at all times to give thanks at all times. But there are moments in life that we don't want to give thanks, but we still, and the church will still insist on giving thanks. Why? Because it brings the remembrance of God truly present. St. Mark continues and he says, if Peter, had not, if Peter had not failed to catch anything during the night fishing, he would not have caught anything during the day. And if Paul had not suffered physical blindness, he would not have been able to, he would not have been given spiritual sight. And if Stephen had not been slandered and as a blasphemer, he would not have seen the heavens open and have looked up unto God. This is what we need to experience. These things that we have trials and we're never going to say that we don't have trials or tribulations in our lives. What about us? What are we facing? What are the difficulties that we are enduring? How did we respond? The devil and the you know, demons around us want to create surmountable obstacles for us. They want to put us to a place of despair. The greatest weapon that he uses is despair. It brings us to a place. He puts in obstacles in front of us as illness and difficult people and maybe even impending death. And we say, these are all things that we, how are we going to respond to them? How will, how did I respond? Or how will I respond in the future? Will I respond with like resignation? Will I respond with passiveness? Or will I respond with nevertheless? We must respond all the time with nevertheless. Nevertheless, at your word, Lord, when prayer seems to have no effect, 
Nevertheless, we will pray anyways. Like St. Monica prayed for her son, St. Augustine. She prayed 21 years for her son to return and to repent. And maybe some of us have sons or daughters that are far from the church. Or we have family members that are far from the church. That we have prayed for, maybe, maybe we prayed for them one week. And we give up on that. But some people I know and I see prayers that come up on the altar. And Abuna sees the prayers. We see them coming week after week. And I want to tell those people the word of encouragement. Don't give up. St. Monica prayed for 21 years. And her son became St. Augustine. 21 years. There's no time for us to give up at all, at any time. When going to the liturgy seems to be a little bit too much trouble. Nevertheless, go to church. When fasting seems to be inconvenient, nevertheless, deny yourself of what is needed to be denied of. When change is unknown and fearful, nevertheless, repent. Because that's what we need. Nevertheless, confess. When God seems to have forgotten or abandoned you, nevertheless, trust in Him even more. I'm sure that Simon, at some point, when they toiled all night, said, Lord, if there is a Lord, because maybe he didn't know God at the time, Lord, why? We just want to feed our families. It's nothing bad. Why have you allowed me to toil all night? But nevertheless, he kept on going when the Lord told them, drop the nets. Nevertheless, don't give up because God, we know God is love. And because God is love, God's love is never failing, then we're able to say, nevertheless. But when Jesus speaks his words of encouragement, we hear, we should hear, try one more time. This is what we should say. We should say, like the hockey team, we're not done. We're not done, Lord, because we know that you are truly with us. I pray that today we leave here with the sense of encouragement, that we're not done, that whatever we're struggling with and that you want to throw in that towel, you say today, Lord, I am not done and glory be to God forever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.